Conversations and Meditations. With Justin Martin. Welcome to Conversations and Meditations, Jazz. Excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, Lisa, get you out of a couple of hours of work. Out hopefully. of the office. <laughs> sure. Not that it's a bad place to work at all. Since you start that topic, it's a great segue to head into your work here at Riverdale. Uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about what you do here? Yeah, beautiful. So I've been here for the last four years as the events coordinator and events manager. Um, I actually started as a yoga teacher here back in, I think, 2017. Um, I was running a, flu- a few morning classes and then it just kind of evolved pretty organically into a role on the regular staff, which I feel really grateful for. When I first started my role here, I had no idea what I was in for. I had no experience in events. I Well, I did have a bit of experience through my own business. However, I'd never worked as a proper events manager. Um, I had a quite diverse background in teaching in OSH and was three years into university doing teaching and counselling. However, I just knew that that was not for me and I didn't fit in the normal school system. So I stopped my degree after three years of study and went away to um, Udbud to do my yoga teacher training. And that's when I first became a yoga teacher and discovered, um, yeah, all the yoga practices and started applying those more in my everyday life. And I was all things. I was a swim teacher. I worked at the grain silos. I used to do um, vintages, used to work at cafes. So I feel like all those little bits of my jobs has kind of led me here to Riverdale. And yeah, I've, I've, I love it enough that I've been here for the last four years. So it's been yeah a wild ride from when I first started here and what it is today. So mm. thank you. It's been, it's been a shared journey because we, we started almost similar times. I mean, I was here maybe for 12 months earlier but those first 12 months were such a blur anyway, trying to yeah. come to terms with the, the opportunity, come to terms with what we might do with it, and, and even just coming to terms with the sort of legacy of um, everything that had come before and trying to get an understanding of where we'd been and where we might go with it was pretty overwhelming. So the first year I really don't remember. <laughs> I, I kind of figure when you started it was really about when I recall things yeah. starting to happen. Um, yeah. I, I remember when I first saw you advertisement for bend and mend in the the gym I think it was and I thought that's what we need we need something that's got mass appeal that you know is um, maybe a great gateway for people to come and experience a little bit of body mind soul connection Mm. and for some people that might take them down a journey other people it you know stays at that body level which is is also great Uh, but I, I do remember when I first contacted you and you came out and as used to happen more often back then little things like, you know, the keys hadn't been necessarily left in the spot that we thought they might have been. And I remember you phoning me at 7am going, "Uh, Justin, the key to the (laughs) sanctuary is not here. And you had, you know, half a dozen people waiting to do a class. And my, my initial response was panic. You know, shit, here we go. Uh, I'm, I'm in Gamaraka. What am I going to do about it? And I remember you very calmly just saying, oh, but that's okay. We'll just do it on the lawn. And I just thought to myself, I think I have to employ this person, you know, like because you're just so willing to see other options and, and think outside the box. So, yeah, you know, that, that was really a moment for me that was like, that's the kind of can do attitude that we need. And 
you know, you've really just grown from there. Yeah, uh, when I first started here, it was like literally a blank canvas. The fact that there wasn't even a job role, there was a job role for me. However, no one was doing that position at the time. So it was literally like the world's your oyster, go crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started here, I was only 22. Yes, 20, 21. Yeah, I, I was actually 21. Yep. So yeah, I was 21 when I started here and just I had that candy coconut attitude of like, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to start running retreats. I'm going to do a twilight market. We're going to have all these events. Um, and we had to, you know, I think there was many times where you said to me, all right, just slow down, Jazz. You don't have to have, you know, everything yesterday, um, which I've learned over time as well. But I love the fact that I just came in all guns blazing and as I've gotten older, I've actually probably developed a little bit more of self-doubt when it comes to those big ideas. But being that little bit younger, I was like, no, let's just do it all. And I was almost like naive in the best way of not knowing how much work it's going to take to do all those things um, and execute all these grand ideas that I had come up with. However, now I know all the work it takes and I think, oh, yeah, that's huge. So, yeah. And at the time I was just like, no, we're doing it. And then I just put it, pulled everyone along for the ride which turned out amazing and we had some of our most amazing events come out of that that initiative that we had from the start um but now I think we have a bit more of a thought out approach well I remember that those first particularly the first uh, retreats that you were running and you know the learning that you've done since those first ones and how at the end of the first ones you were just cooked you know like you'd given it everything you had And you had tried to do it all yourself pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's been awesome to see now something that back then was really outside your comfort zone and was a, a challenge for you to, to undertake that now you kind of, oh, yeah, I've got that retreat on, you know, on the weekend. And it's something that, of course, you're still passionate about and, and give everything towards, but you do it with so much more ease. Yeah. And I'm real confident that the participants feel that as yeah. well and it probably just helps them settle into it yeah. rather than going, <laughs> wow, uh, this is a lot. Yeah, 100%. And again, that hindsight thing of not knowing exactly what I was getting into when I was first doing it. And I like urge everyone to go out and just do things because for me, that's how I learn best by just doing. And then, you know, the wisdom comes and there's, there's, you'd rather oh well than what if every time. So every time I've given something a go, it's allowed me to have that hindsight after and think, mm, yeah, that worked, that didn't, and then build on from there. Whereas now with retreats, like they just come so naturally. But when I first started doing them I put my whole heart and soul into it It was like everything I've got I want to give my whole self to this retreat and give these people the best experience they've ever had Um, which I also have that now but I've learned over time that I can't control what these people are going to perceive and experience when they come here you know I've can do my best to create the climate and the environment for them to thrive and have the ideal experiences or um, almost foster that in through the workshops and classes and themes that we provide but at the end of the day whatever they experience is their experience and that's not on me and it took me a long time to learn that especially with you know events and what like not like that because you can move into that people-pleasing mind of oh I didn't do enough x y and z or I could have done that better but at the end of the day I just kind of started to learn that, you know, I will do my best and whatever's meant to be will unfold and the perfect people will come and the perfect experiences will happen. But yes, I do definitely feel like retreats just flow super easy now in comparison when I first started doing them. But I'm so glad that, you know, we took that step and as a retreat centre, 
when I first started running retreats, there wasn't many retreats here at all, you know. Um, mine was one of the first ones that, apart from the emissary events that were going on, that was an outside facilitator running a three-day three, three day retreat here. Um, so it's been really cool to see that evolve and see how busy we are in the in the coming year already, like only having a few dates left for our uh, 2022. It's been an amazing ride to see, you know, our calendar really filling up with diverse events and offerings and all these amazing things that people are wanting to share with our community in the world. Mm. Yeah, it's been crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> Particularly, the, you know, it feels like only – six weeks ago or maybe two months ago thinking, oh, we should probably review our pricing and you know, kind of yep. get down to some of that nitty gritty stuff. And then we blinked and it's, oh, I guess that'll be 2023 now because yep. the calendar just filled so rapidly, yep. which is, I mean, it's no coincidence or it's, it's no um, accident that that's occurred. It's been a great result of dedication, hard work, and I think setting that foundation and that's certainly not taking away from the foundations that we inherited. Yeah. You know, I mean, it wouldn't be possible without all of the work that had been done for decades leading up to our opportunity. Yeah. But it's it's exciting to have our opportunity and yeah. to really kind of get into it and make it ours, make the most of it. And yeah. I'm having a great time. It's been beautiful to see it, you know, evolve over the time that I've been here. So I can't imagine what the other residents have seen throughout their time as well. Um, so, yeah, it's really just been, yeah, a great opportunity to see things unravelling and more things coming to fruition and other things falling away. And, yeah, I think it's definitely teaching me that cycle of, like, you know, everything passes and has its time and evolves and it's coming into, like, a beautiful ev evolution, I guess. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, like you were mentioning just before about your coming to understand that, you know, others experience is their experience and you can yeah. you can lead them to a point or you can create the atmosphere or the the conditions for a particular response to occur but you can't guarantee that response and it's not your duty or you know it shouldn't be taken upon yourself to think that you can mm. i think you're so lucky at 26 25 to have worked that out cuz i'm i came to that same realization about maybe six months ago and I'm 46. So well done. And I think, again, it's no coincidence, you know, for many years now you have been looking inward, you've been practicing uh, you know, techniques and, and personal practices and disciplines that, that have helped you come to that understanding. I think congratulations. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and another thing that on that note, I, I noticed you mentioned before that um, I used to try to do everything and not ask for any help. But that's been definitely a thing that Riverdale's helped me with. Of Actually, I do have a beautiful community of people that want to help and I don't have to do everything alone. And that's definitely rippled out into my life as well of my personal life to actually ask for help when I need it. Because sure. Miss Independent, she's learned too many lessons to mm -hmm. do it all alone. So, yeah, it's been so many learnings. I love the fact that this is a job where we can have that introspection. And, you know, I come to you with little nuggets of information or insights that I've found through work or in my personal life life and the fact that we can talk about that openly as a team is just so beautiful and I feel like so lucky to have that environment absolutely yeah. that's why we're here I'm sure yes yeah, yeah I, the pay is good but you know the the community and the um, the atmosphere is worth whatever yeah, you know, it's agree. priceless for yeah. sure so that's a lot about what we're doing now and there was a bit of how we got here as well but I was wondering on a more personal level if you would be interested in sharing more about your your life story to a degree. I'm really fascinated to eventually get to 
how you discovered um, these aspects of yourself and how that was introduced into your life. Uh, But before we get there, would you mind telling me a little bit about your childhood? I understand you grew up around Gawler and uh, a little bit about that experience. So I actually grew up in Roseworthy, which is just out of um, Gawler, with my mum, my dad and my brother. And we always had a bit of a, um, we had an interesting childhood. (laughs) Um, We had a bit of a, you know, rundown house and, you know, mum and dad always trying to do their best. And we didn't come from a lot, but the, like, it was nice to have one another. And having an older brother, I always thought I could do anything he could do. I was straight into it, fearless, and never kind of looked back with, ever questioning that I can't do anything because I was like, well, I need to do just as much as him. Um, So it was cool to have an older brother in those senses, but it definitely um, scared my parents. (laughs) Um, In growing up, yeah, I was actually a really shy person or, yeah, girl until I was around 10. So I... I don't know what the turning point was with my shyness. I think I just kind of was always a little bit fearful in public situations and just a bit shy when it came to talking to people that I didn't know or didn't feel comfortable with. I literally can't imagine that. I know. (laughs) Lots of people can't imagine that now. Um, But I guess I I think it's when I started becoming better friends with a, a girl at my school called Laura and she was very boisterous and out there and confident and I thought, oh, I need to be more like that. I need to put myself out more. So I started to be a bit more confident in what I was doing and speaking out louder. And yeah, teenagers definitely took form (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I definitely found a sense of self, but I've always been a little bit left of center, like always had a deeper sense of knowing that I I used to say these odd things to mum when I was growing up that like I'm, I'm a soul and, um, you know, we just come down here to do certain things and then we go back. And it it was almost like I had this deep knowing or concept that we were here to do things to evolve almost. And yeah, I would just come home and I've always been quite in tune with that kind of stuff and had a deep sense of trust that I am where I'm meant to be doing what I'm meant to be doing. But yeah, mum's, mum and dad have always been quite open-minded and um, my dad's grandmother was a clairvoyant and he's Ah, always had a deeper sense of um you know those woo-woo feelings and I used to have really bad night terrors actually when I was growing up and used to see this disfigured man in my door and then I found out later that my mum's real dad died in a trucking accident and I told her about this man that I would see in my door and she she always thought that it was her dad like you know watching over me but at the time that was a really scary thing sure Yeah, so it's been interesting and I think I've always just been, yeah, really open to whatever the kind of spirituality there is, like into tarot cards and meditation and used to do mum's yoga VHSs with her in the mornings Mm -hmm. and I remember dad would wake up in the mornings because he's a roofer and he would get up really early and make a cup of coffee and I would turn on the Pilates on the TV at 5.30 in the morning because I've always been a really big morning person and do the Pilates and just to spend a little bit of time with him before he went to work. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so growing up from Roseworthy and then um, I went to Kapunda High School and like I said, my teen years is really where I really came into myself and... I was not very academic at all. Like it always took me a long time to get anything. Even in um, primary school, I loved to chat and I I didn't want to really focus on school um, and going home to parents that, you know, didn't finish year eight 
like they didn't really have the tools or the skills to help me with anything that I needed assistance with and to be honest they didn't really care you know as long as I was having fun and that they didn't really care if I was that academic or not so it got to around so year eight and nine I was a bit of a menace in school and then it got to year 10 and all my friends had graduated middle school with honors and I felt like such a dummy and I remember failing maths on the same day which is so odd because I'm actually not bad at maths um and I failed maths that day and I, I remember crying the whole bus ride home and then from that day on I was like no I'm going to apply myself fully to my school studies so from year 11 and 12 I actually ended up getting a lot of these straight A certificates and did the best I could to actually excel in my studies and I ended up getting like the second highest ATAR in the whole school so I think from that moment on I really knew anything that I put my mind to I could literally do like I was my biggest limitation and the fact that I didn't need anyone to believe in myself like yes my parents love me and everything like that but they didn't really care or push schooling with me and I think that was hard because I thought because they didn't believe in me doing it I just couldn't do it or it didn't matter Um, but since I actually actively applied and put myself into schooling and thought I want to do this I can do this it's really rippled into my entire life of thinking I can do anything which is such a blessing and a curse but it gave me the strength to be like, if I want something, I can do anything to get it. And I think I still hold that to this day. So that was a massive turning point in my life. And it's gave me a real, that that's kind of what gave me the can do attitude because growing up, I didn't really have any dreams or aspirations because I couldn't really see outside of my circumstance of, you know, what it was like, I was never taught to have dreams or that I could aim for more. I used to just want to be a mum, <laughs> which now I can't even imagine. And that's a beautiful thing to do and be. Um, but I'm so glad that I've taken time to learn more about myself and to do more. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably will benefit, assuming that in some time down the future you do have children. Yeah. I'm sure they'll benefit greatly from having a sort of more self-aware parent that, yeah. that can guide them through the lessons that you've learned and, and support them in the way that, you know, we'll bring the best out of them. Yeah, and also like in the teen years, I started working quite early. So I started working when I was 14 at a local cafe and I've always been quite self-sufficient. So I think that's where the ultra independence comes from that I've had to learn to soften as I've gotten a bit older. Um, Because yeah, mum and dad didn't give that much financial support growing up. And if, you know, if I wanted those things, I had to go earn them for myself, which I like totally agree with. Um, And then, yeah, working in the green silos throughout teenage years and then onto other different jobs and yeah it just all evolved over time and I'm so glad that I'm here and well you you know out of all of the people that I know jazz particularly of your age group which is limited I'll be honest yeah I, I, yeah, I used to be hip uh, <laughs> but of all the people I know I feel like you've got one of the best balances in your life between having some material aspiration you know I mean you you own you own properties and you you've kind of have achieved a lot in that material sense but it isn't what defines you and it at least from the outside looking in it doesn't really seem to be what motivates you either it's sort of as it unfolds opportunities present you take those opportunities and you probably create a lot of them as well but it's not the only thing that you're interested in and you know I think that that's that's what the world probably needs more of particularly in today's day and age where so many people of your age and of my age and of all ages are so caught up in the material 
of uh, procured lifestyles on social media platforms kind of telling this false tale of how wonderful their lives are uh, without really letting people see underneath it all maybe what's really going on and then looking across the platform and thinking I'm not good enough I'm failing because this guy's got the flash car and this yeah. these people just did this and that and you seem to have ma- managed to maintain a really healthy balance yeah it didn't start out like that so after school because like having a bit of a rocky home life and you know not through teenage years like not getting on very well with um, my dad throughout that time and you know everyone has their demons and we just really clashed throughout that time and I didn't really have a safe home in my teenage years Um, that's when things were like pretty hectic and my biggest goal was that I was going to have a house by the time I was 21 as my safe place that like no one else could take away from me. So by the time I'd finished year 12, like I had already had a massive savings goal. And, you know, by the time I was 21, I was buying my first house. And then I got that first house. And I, at at the time I thought, yes, this is amazing. But, you know, two weeks down the track, it's kind of worn off and it's just another thing. And, I think that's when I realised no matter what I get outside of myself, whether it's a new partner, a new house, a new dog, or actually the dog will probably, might, might make me pretty happy, but anything else that's, you know, <laughs> not an internal internal thing, I'm going to constantly, constantly be reaching for the next best thing to fill that void. And, you know, it's not going to come with the next house, the next car, this or that. Like it took me a bit of time to realise that. But Not I'm that s- much time, I'll tell you now. Yeah, but I'm so glad now that, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because they're just things. And I kind of think of it all as a game, to be honest. Like, it's like, okay, so I've got X, Y, and Z. Can I make this work for me? Like, you know, it's like a real-life game. Yeah, we, we were talking, I think, a couple of days ago about this concept of chasing empty boxes, mm-hmm. you know. And from a distance, the box looks so fulfilling and, and people will work hard to achieve it now. You know, they, they might even compromise on their, their own integrity to, to get this box that we've been convinced we need. And it's only when you get to the box and you open it, you realise that it's empty. You, you know, or the thing that was in it doesn't hold the value or the weight that you were hoping that it would. And then the natural tendency is then to look across and see another empty box yeah. just in the, on the horizon that is another reason to, um, to push yourself into a position that maybe isn't really benefiting you. And again, you get there and you open it up and it's ah, it's just another empty box. Yeah, um, the constant destination seeking. Absolutely. Instead yeah. of, you know, just enjoying the process there, which I think we all get caught up in next time, you know. I'm one to sometimes always think what's next, but, you know, what's right now? And just to enjoy that a little bit more. The theme actually in my yoga classes this week was like finding joy and awe and wonder just in your everyday life, like whether it's in colour or whether it's in the sensations and t- like things we feel. Um, because I think, you know, we're so overstimulated that we don't actually get time to relish in those things. Sure. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. So that kind of brings me to the the point in your life that you took, um, say, yoga specifically. Was yoga the first thing that caught your attention as being a, I'm going to say it's a spiritual practice. Uh, I see it as such. Um, not everybody would necessarily, but is that the first a thing that was a formalized thing that you're like, yeah, I'm really going to commit to this. And how did you get introduced to that idea? 
Yeah, well, it actually started as a physical practice, which I think most people's practice does. Um, So I was addicted to Bikram yoga. I loved the heat. I loved that it was the same sequence every time that I could see myself in the mirror and that, you know, every time I would show up, although the sequence sequence was the same, I was so different. And, you know, you would look yourself straight in the face at the mirror and there was nowhere to go. The room was 40 degrees. You were sweating. It was hard. It like nearly broke me at the start. And I loved that. The fact that it took me to my edge and like, I do nothing in halves. Like I'm either full on or not at all. And this was something that was really demanding of me physically, but also I started noticing those mental challenges come up of, you know, wanting to lay down, feeling sick, wanting to stop. And I just noticed the more that I kept going and pushing through those little things, I would lay down at the end of Shavasana and just feel reborn, like I could do anything. And so I started to notice, you know, with the breath cues and with the body cues and with the heat as well, especially, and all the postures, that my mind would just quiet down and I'd actually have time to digest my thoughts. Whereas before, I was probably quite an anxious person without even really knowing because, you know, growing up, anxiety wasn't as much of a thing then. You just kind of would feel like I almost was a bit more suppressed growing up because we weren't taught to really feel our feelings at that time in in my life anyway. And so that's how yoga kind of came about and Louise and I which is um, one of my good friends that I did my first yoga teacher training with we would drive all the way to Modbury from Roseworthy and Freeling you know three or four times a week to do these classes because we just loved it so much and Louise came to me one day and said to me Jazz we should do our yoga teacher training and I thought yeah let's do it so we started looking up all these courses and we'd send them to one another and we ended up deciding on one at the yoga barn um in udbud through the school of sacred art so in case anyone's not aware where's udbud it's in bali so yeah when we were uh, 20 when we were 20 we actually embarked on that little adventure so we enrolled in the class we had to apply for it and it was a yeah, month intensive, living in Bali, practicing yoga six days a week, 12 hour days. So it was huge. So we packed our bags, we went off to the airport, um, yeah, got to Udbud, stayed in our little villa and each day we would go to yoga and the practice would start at 6.30 a.m. and we would do our asana practice till 10 And then we'd have breakfast. So in the morning practice, there was meditation, breathing, um, yoga, asana moves. That was all done on an empty stomach. Yeah. Yeah. You could have a little snack in the morning when you woke up. And we would actually practice a thing called Mona, which is the act of silence from nighttime till morning. So we would have to stay silent from when we would wake, I guess, from when going to sleep to waking and then to breakfast time we were allowed to speak again so it was a real deep dive into what's kind of coming up when we don't have the need to speak and you know actually taking time to listen to ourselves and when we're trying to fill space when it doesn't need to be there and actually drawing our energy back to see all the times that we would actually talk when there's perhaps not a need you know it's so funny you talk about filling space when it's not like filling silence when it's not really needed to this process of interviewing people via a podcast is so challenging for me because my natural habit is to fill every little silence that you leave with an agreement of some sort. You know, yeah. it's like that verbal, mm-hmm, uh-huh, mm-hmm. And I, the first time I heard myself doing it on an audio recording, it was so irritating. So I'm sitting here 
desperately wanting to agree with everything yeah. you're saying, but trying so hard to be silent. It's it's not easy. You the know? head nods are doing it for me. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> vigorous head nodding. <laughs> That's great. Um, and then, yeah, we'd have breakfast and the yoga barn food was unreal. So that was awesome. Um, and the yoga barn's amazing in the sense that there's so much else going on. Like we were just in one shala, but there's about eight, eight different shalas in that place where you've got different things going on, whether it's the weekly classes of qigong, meditation, acro yoga, Thai massage, or another teacher training going on at the same time. And on Friday nights, I'd have crazy aesthetic dance, which would just awesome and a great way to end the week. Um, and then after our breakfast in the mornings, we would have the philosophy. So we'd dive into um, the traditions of yoga, where those texts come from, the information that has kind of come through those ancient texts and the teachings. And after that, we would break down asana and um, postures in the body and go through atomical cues. And then we would end with either prenatal or yin or yoga nidra practice, whether we were doing a class or learning about it. So it was a huge process. And to go from just strict Bikram to seeing the whole world of yoga, that's where my mind was really blown open. Like I'd done meditations and guided meditations before, but I'd never dived that deeply into it. And I had such a busy monkey mind at that point, but that's when I just discovered yin yoga so I hadn't done yin yoga before that really and that's what I've grown to love so much because that's like a moving meditation so through our training it was a hatha and yin training so we were able to learn you know the basics of yin and hatha at the same time and I think that's where the mind body and breath connection really started to come through for me and I started to realize how much it is interconnected and how much we can use it as a tool in our everyday lives to, you know, live better. And and you'd say that it's brought benefits to you. Is, is there anything that you could say? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so much more grounded and less sporadic and just in myself through these practices, whether it's a met, like five minutes of breathing in the morning through meditation, through actually having a community of students that I practice with or go to class to and moving with the breath that... I think yoga was such a godsend in my life. Like it's it's allowed me to experience myself to a whole new level that I never knew that I could. Like it's like I was able to become my own best friend through these practices and actually get to know who I am, what I'm about, all those subtle things going on in the background that perhaps I didn't give time or space to come through because I was too busy, you know, thinking about the past, the future or anything else. What do you think about the the perspective that people can gain from intentionally doing things that are difficult. You know, you're mentioning Bikram, you, you love the fact that it was pushed you to your edge and it, um, the way I see things is, or, or imagine them to be at least is that there's, there's a threshold that we have where discomfort kicks in. And if you allow that threshold to be very low because you never do anything discomforting, you still hit that, that threshold quite quite early and so something that that isn't that challenging can make you feel discomfort but if you intentionally do things that are very difficult you know 40 degree rooms and physical challenge and mental challenge it kind of resets the bar so that when you're just standing in the queue and other people are losing their mind because it's taking 10 minutes and not five minutes you've got a different threshold and you're just ah so it's okay you know it's this is not as hard as what i did this morning like, ah, so, but yeah. I really think that 
I urge everyone to go out and do things that make them uncomfortable as anything because that's where the growth zone is. Like we've got the panic zone, the growth zone. Sorry, we've got the comfort zone, the growth zone and the panic zone. So in that beautiful space between your full panic and your full comfort, that's where the growth can occur. And some of my biggest teachings and actually finding what I'm about in life and what I actually want to be and my values and beliefs have come from doing the things that make me really uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's something that I'm trying to instill in my children because their tendency is to avoid discomfort. I mean, it's most people's tendency. Yeah. I'm just, I've been trying to just get them to see through that veil and go, guys, you know, the real, actually the fun bit is in the challenge. Um, if, but, but yet society is kind of devising more and more ways for us to be more and more comfortable you know like we don't even have to get up to to, to do anything nowadays you know like you change the channel do the research anything go shopping all from the comfort of your lounge room and you never ever have to be discomforted it's uh, i don't know i think it's something that people should enjoy both aspects you know, of course yeah. be comfortable when it's appropriate but every now and again set yourself a challenge and, and push yourself through it yeah, that was like recently doing the medical medium cleanse for nine days. That yeah. was absolutely grueling. But the deep sense of satisfaction I, I got from doing those things that felt hard and breaking patterns and resetting my mind and my um, attitude towards food has been such a benefit coming out of that challenge as well. So I, I'm one for a challenge and like they do feel hard to do, you know, in the first few days or when you're getting used to things. But once you're over that little bit, I think you're so thankful. And even when I've gone, you know, solo traveling or anything else in life, at first I feel so anxious and uneasy. But once you find your feet like it's a beautiful thing yeah the thresholds reset yeah to a different level of ah, like, oh, that was that's yeah. cool now what's next and i want it again of yeah. course yeah and then i guess there's also that catch 22 of like contentment but then also like always pushing yourself and so i actually really struggle with okay so when can i just pick intent and when do i when can i stop striving instead of you know stop and smell the roses instead of waiting like striving for the next thing or making yourself uncomfortable now but i think it comes you know when it's meant to yeah the, my, my solution to that for my for myself is rather than trying to force some sort of you know, inverted commas, improvement or some sort of uh, contrived opportunity, just letting unf things unfold, yeah. you know, like just seeing what you want to do. And then, then you are content in the journey as well as the destination. Yeah. Following uh, those callings and those little hints that come through. Yeah, absolutely. You're sort of, yeah. as long as the journey is something that's satisfying as well, you're, you're less fixated on the, on the final result. Yeah. And you, then you find yourself just pushing yourself into new areas because the journey was wonderful, yeah. not because you thought I need to achieve this destination. Yeah, and feeling how good. And even if there is like, I feel like when you are enjoying the journey, there is those blimps of discomfort and sure. oh, yeah. things that come up. But overall, you're like, no, I, I've got this. And it builds that sense of self and that self-confidence that you can just feel so self-assured that no matter what, like you've got it and it's going to be good. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned... You're in your twenties when you were or twenty when you went to Indonesia for the first time. Yeah. Was that the first international travel you had done, and have you done any since then? 
No, so um, my dad's actually from New Zealand. So as a, as a child growing sweet up. Sweet as. Yeah, sweet as, bro. <laughs> so growing up, we'd go to New Zealand quite a lot, which was beautiful. My grandparents had a shack on at Lake Tarpo, and so we spend a bit of time there. So beautiful. we probably did about four trips um, to New Zealand whilst I was growing up. And then I'd also been to Bali before that. And we'd done a few yoga things while I was there and just travelled around to the beaches and, you know, doing all the usual touristy things lots of massages which is the sure. best did you get your hair braided i did i was did. that girl <laughs> <laughs> who, who wouldn't? Yeah. and i probably got 12 massages in 10 days <laughs> um so i had been to bali twice before that as well and i actually had one trip to america as well so i did most of my international traveling after my training um but it was such a good i that 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 was the longest time i had spent you know over, I think it was six weeks we were there in total um, in another country. So that yeah. was a really cool experience. That's, yeah, six weeks is long enough to really start to feel the culture yeah. and, and almost, not quite a local, but yeah, yeah. people start to recognise you and yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a different experience for and sure. We had our scooter and we were cruising around and there was only two crashes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then since my training in Bali, I'd been, I went, I returned to Bali a few more times after that. Like it's just such a special place for me, but also went to Europe in 2018 for around seven weeks, which was awesome. So I did the whole Euro trip with a few of my girlfriends and a few friends and we all met up at Budapest and went to Ziggit Festival together which was awesome to get you know 20 of us all in the same space from our hometown was really cool mayhem it was mayhem (laughs) it was wild (laughs) um and that yeah that at, at the time I thought yeah this is amazing but like now I look back and thought wow like how lucky are we to have all of our friends do that experience together? Like it was so cool. And I definitely come back really chunky from that, <laughs> from that holiday. <laughs> Who organized that? Who was the uh, sort of protagonist of getting everyone together? Cause uh, yeah, I've got a friend of mine who he's got a very high powered job in the British um, government. Yeah. And he, he attributes lots of his organizational skills to having just organized friends to go on holidays yeah, and things. I love it's it's that. no joke getting 20 people to all agree to be in the same place at once, yeah. particularly on the other side of the world. Who was doing that? Yourself? Or? No, not well. I was, I was actually not the Ling reader. We've got a friend, Tyler and Louise. So they were already in Europe for a bit of time. And then they all said that they were going to this festival. Then Laura and myself were going to uh, just do a Euro trip. And then we changed our plans so we could go to the festival with everyone as well. So it was real good. I'm so thankful we did it. Um, and yeah, it just, it, it, it wasn't a wellness retreat, no, <laughs> but, <sure laughs> but it definitely like gave me some beautiful experiences and I can't wait to get back out there. And then, yeah, in 2019, that's when I headed off to Peru to do my advanced teacher training, which I'm so lucky for as well. So that was something that Riverdale really um, fostered and supported me in to go and do. And that again, that was six weeks over in South America in the Sacred Valley, which was surrounded by the Apus, which is the beautiful big mountains and glacier water, waterfalls coming down and yeah, all the locals. Um, So that was a huge cultural experience. And to do my advanced teacher training there with a place called the Kula Collective, which is an American company, they were incredible. And it's like my whole mind got blown open through that training and I had a whole new sense of appreciation for the practice of yoga and diving even deeper and how do you kind of teach and experience yoga as a holistic experience to more live it so sure 
that was awesome. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Jealous. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Cool. And then I, that's when I came back and started running, you know, more events that were that centred, like cacao ceremonies and um, really incorporated things like the flow design into my retreats and all the things that I learned from that retreat, I just went straight guns blazing into applying them. So it's like it almost cemented the knowledge into my daily practice of what you know I need to thrive and yeah that was a huge experience in the ways that I feel like I finally fully and started to fully I finally started to fully love and accept myself after that training yeah, wow. I had such a huge shift then of like that deep and radical self-acceptance that I'd never had before in my life of actually being like, no, you're okay and I love who you are and who you're becoming. So that training bettered me in every sense of the word and the people there were incredible and, yeah, that was one of the best experiences of my life and that was a huge trip that I actually did solo. So mm. it was scary and I re- I'd done Splendour. I was working for Splendour in the Grass um, the week before. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, that's a, it's a significant festival 30, 40,000 people, something yeah. like that. It's a big, big event. Yeah, in Byron. Is it in Byron? I don't know. You were I'm there, I'm pretty sure me. it's in Byron. It's been too long. COVID's messed me up. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that's a massive festival. And I was working as the Healing Sanctuary Coordinator and, um, you know, managing a few staff there. Um, alongside a beautiful lady called Joanne and we had that the week before I was meant to go to yoga teacher training that was a huge role for me that I'd taken on um, as as the contractor that I hadn't done before I'd done Falls Rancho Relaxo but never the Global Village in Splendor and so I was managing these staff and we were going out all night and I was definitely burning the candle at both ends and was stressed so I've rocked up into going to Peru with influenza like flu that's right and I was so so sick and I remember getting on the plane that day and I just couldn't breathe and I thought I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this this training and then I've flown into Peru um at Cusco which is such high altitude and I literally slept for 14 hours because I was one so sick and two just like the altitude knocked me out and yeah lucky we had the coca leaf tea because that that really straightened me out sure nice (laughs) oh you you know you need a little help from your friends every now and again (laughs) for sure um well that's awesome talking about friends yeah i'm getting good at these segues you are (laughs) um something that that i was hoping to touch on was you know obviously there's a generation gap between us 20 20 years uh, a little bit more even and I was curious as to how your friends amongst your generation react to your interest in the, in these practices. Is it something that most most of your friends are like, oh, cool, I, I get it, or is it something that is still maybe a little fringe like it probably was certainly when I was your age? Yeah, interesting. Hey, um, I definitely think that I'm so lucky to grow up in the generation that I have with, you know, open-minded free thinkers. When, you know, when I was 20 and first doing yoga teacher training, everyone just kind of thought, oh yeah, Jazz is on her woo-woo stuff. Um, And I've always been like known to be a little bit left of centre. It's just who I am. Um, There's always been people that have been a bit sceptical or reluctant, but as soon as they give it a go, they're like, wow, I like feel so good in my mind and body. And I have the most beautiful friends in the world that are just so supportive and think you know good on you do whatever you want um there have been some people that probably were like what's yoga why is it important why do you do that um 
But I just think that that's also at the level that they're ready to meet themselves. And, you know, if it's not for them, it's not for them. And for the people that it is, it is. But I am very fortunate with the beautiful people that do surround me that are so supportive. And probably through stepping into this side of my life more, like I'm not like as good of friends with my high school friends anymore like I have a few high school friends that about a handful that I'm still really close to but a lot of them we were only friends you know out of convenience almost and they just don't get these parts of me but opening myself up to these kind of practices and who I actually am and what I believe in and actively living by my beliefs and values has allowed me to align with people that are more in alignment with me that just get it that I don't have to you know explain or lessen myself or feel embarrassed by because they're like oh no that's cool Mm. like I get you and like I understand that and so that's been really refreshing to I'm a hundred percent authentically myself and probably to a point where it might be embarrassing for some people but I just love that I'm supported in that and I don't have to you know shy or be small or censor what I believe in or what I think is good in life because my friends get it yeah Yeah, that's sort of and that ethos that you just described there is I think you'd agree, kind of what we're trying to achieve at Riverdale for anyone and everyone who's willing to have the courage to step into it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my highest aspiration is to build a space that people can come and be 100% themselves in, a, in an environment of people that may not necessarily even agree with or, or even understand it at a sort of intellectual level, but at a higher level go, I don't necessarily resonate with what your your purpose is but I think it's awesome anyway but I'm here for it like I think exactly I think live and let live and like if anyone just wants to do it I'm like you go you are amazing like I 100% support you as long as you know you're doing no harm of course and I definitely think Riverdale's helped foster that in myself you know having those people that believe in you to be like yeah you can do anything and I'm like yes I can yeah (laughs) yeah, just watch me yeah exactly and that beautiful community that I think people were so they're, they're opening their minds so much now just to be more accepting of you know whatever's like let 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 your freak flag fly (laughs) like whatever your thing is amazing we support that so and I love like as the events manager here having everyone come to me with their grand ideas and to talk to me with passion and to talk to me about what their thing is because it just like opens my mind so much to wow like there's so many things for so many people and no one's alone in their struggles or what they think's good or bad and you know, it's just a beautiful thing that we can all share. Yeah, perfect. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's that's one of the, one of my probably the most profound difference that I've found in my own life, having started working at Riverdale, was the I guess the undeniable nature of. I'm trying to think of the best way to say it, but you know, previously I could I could think my thoughts uh, around spirituality and the things that I think are important in my life, but they weren't necessarily guaranteed topics of conversation because mm-hmm. I could hide behind my, my uh, commercial life, you know, say, oh, I'm this guy, I'm that guy. Oh, that's interesting. Tell me about that. And there's something fun about working at Riverdale and someone says to me, as most people will, so what do you do for a living? And then I'll say, oh, I'm the business manager at the Riverdale Spiritual Centre. They can't help but ask. You know, yeah. Well, oh, tell me about that. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's like a great conversation opener and it's an instant 
almost litmus test for working out where people are at and where I'm going to meet them at. Because for some people that'll just be, you know, too much and, and they will show no interest, but it's not even surprising to me, but more often than not, it's an invitation for others to say, ah, oh, wow, tell me about that because I'm interested in this and, and I don't know how to express it yeah. oftentimes. So it's, yeah, I, I love um, that opportunity and what it provides for me and, and hopefully people around. Yeah, and it definitely like invites me to always kind of speak openly and speak truthfully about what I am about, like sure. talking to people with that as well and reflecting and bouncing off their ideas of, oh, well, that's for you and like this is what's worked for me. And yeah, it's really cool and I, I love the that we can all be open about it as well. And I think, you know, even outside of the like Riverdale, people are opening up so much more about that and with beautiful platforms such as, you know, social media when it's used effectively sure. and everything else and community gatherings and whatnot like that, people are just, yeah, really walking their talk. Yeah, for sure. So I guess we're coming close to getting the story up to the now. Um, yeah. You know, we've spoken about your, your childhood, your your first introduction to yoga and meditation, etc. cetera. Uh, and now we're kind of, sitting here thinking about what is the future going to hold. Um, would you mind telling us a little bit about what your personal hopes are for yourself, but maybe include Riverdale in that? Yeah. Uh, but if, if it doesn't include Riverdale, that's okay. Wipes a tear. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like just tell us a little bit about what your hopes for the future are. I mean, your experience of being in your 20s, you know, the world is your oyster, uh, every, every potential in front of you. Um, and yet we're sort of sitting in a climate where there is so much uncertainty. And I don't want to really go on about that too much because it's such a trigger for even me, for most people. But how, how are you dealing with that uncertainty and, and being able to sort of confidently step into the future, but at the same time being realistic about what that might look like? Yeah, so at at first, you know, COVID was something that was a beautiful reset for me because I was always a bit much of a overdoer and it actually allowed me to soften and be like okay so I can do this and I don't always need to be striving and doing like this is it was a beautiful teacher at the start but from someone who loves to adventure and to do things and to get out there like to have restrictions it has been quite challenging like I love to pop pop over on holidays to do things like go to Bali to go interstate and I've been fortunate enough to you know do a few trips interstate and go to a few festivals and whatnot but to kind of not know what's coming next with the current climate with you know traveling interstate or overseas it has really been challenging to know what's next for me and to you know, put those goals or dreams in place because I actually don't know what's possible. And it's almost like if I dream and then feel disappointed, it really lets me down. Um, but I'm still completing my counselling certification at the moment and I'm hoping to step into doing uh, psychedelics for psychotherapy as it, it's in stage three trials here in um, Australia at the moment with Mind Australia once that is finalised and all legal. So is that is that related to the MAPS? Yeah. program yeah. in the in the states and they've sort of branched that into Australia as well. Yeah, so there's an Australian wow. one now and you know everything's just still getting approved and whatnot like that. So once I am finished my first initial certifications I'm really hoping to do that. So that's kind of what's next in uh, in regards to um, rounding out what I'm wanting to offer to people in the world. I just want to keep learning and growing and stay inspired with you know embodying like what I preach in life, like, mm -hmm. you know, 
staying in those practices, what I need daily to thrive, like, you know, my big breaths, going outside, being in nature, doing more of those things where I want to go away. I really want to do three months next year around Australia or in WA and NT. And there's this uh, hike I want to do, which is a six-day backpack hike from Nipmaluk to Sweetwater, which is in just near Catherine in the Northern Territory. So I really want to do that six-day hike, and that's something little that I've kind of set myself. Um, Yeah, I'm really loving, you know, living down at the beach and going for walks and doing daily exercise and all that. But, yeah, a couple weeks, like the last few weeks, I've been a little bit stumped onto, you know, what's next for me, feeling a bit lost. So I've just been trying to put those little things of, you know, what's in alignment with me moving forward. And in regards to Riverdale, like we're having a epic year already, like things are chock-a-block. We've only got a few dates left for retreats, which we've never kind of had this advanced booking before. And things are just absolutely flowing. Like it just feels really in flow at the moment without even really needing to try. Um but we have our next big kind of event planned for November, which will be our two-day wellness festival, which I'll start setting my sights to. And I feel really excited to start getting things implemented for that and have a big baby to work on again, you know, mm-hmm. after having the Twilight Market and not being able to operate that one since our zoning restrictions with the council and whatnot. And That's the other C word. Yeah, the other <laughs> C word. And since obtaining our new zoning, um, we've actually been able to have our sites set on you know larger events and offering those kind of things so I am really excited to kind of bring that to the community and have more of that big event on a large scale to aim towards and to challenge myself with Uh, I have a few retreats in the pipeline here and I'm hoping to do a interstate retreat next year which will be cool and yeah just keep teaching yoga and working with different organizations and hopefully get back into the schools next year to work on my school wellness program with the girls and kids so with that um training that you're doing now with the counseling training yeah. to get into that that next level that you're looking for is that going to require additional training or is that something that this qualification should allow you yeah, the opportunity this, to do? This qualification will allow me to move into that next training once it's, yeah, cool. all ready to go. Oh, I'm going to look into that. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm re- feeling really excited and it's been good to study again as much as I'm not, a, I'm more of a hands-on person, but to, you know, have to be learning and to applying that to my life, it's been really good. Mm, awesome. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'd like to thank you very much for coming in today and putting a, an hour of approximately an hour aside, Uh, this is really designed to be an introduction so that people get an understanding of you and the team at Riverdale at large and our community. Uh, And my hope is that in coming weeks and months that we might revisit and then look at specific topics more in depth. So I know you've got a great knowledge in pranayama and um, cacao ceremonies and, and all of these different facets that you bring to Riverdale. So I'm hoping that in, in coming times, maybe you could even share a meditation or, yeah. or something of that nature. But thank you so much for coming in. I had a great time. It was nice to get to know you a bit more. And I hope our audience has enjoyed it as well. Is there any final words you want to say? You want to... No, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for <laughs> listening, beautiful people. And I so look forward to connecting with you soon, whether it's you know here at Riverdale or out, out in the world. But thanks for having me. Boom. Well, there you have it. Episode three of Conversations and Meditations with me, Justin Martin. Uh, If you enjoyed that conversation between myself and Jasmine and maybe interested in some of her upcoming events here at Riverdale, 
follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, uh, check out our website, www.riverdell.org.au. We actually have a new website in the planning and, and hopefully that will be launched within the next month. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, if you've got an interest in, in being uh, interviewed or contributing to this podcast or in fact any other aspect of the, the goings on at Riverdell, please don't hesitate to contact me on justin at riverdell.org.au. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.